Love Talk Radio. for coming on tonight. Uh, I want to thank, uh, make sure that I thank uh, Marshall Reed, whistleblower organization that's helped to make this possible. And, of course, uh, Marty Oakley, who I've been co-hosting this show with for four years now. And it's been a wonderful uh, partnership and allowing us to bring to the American public and and many listeners. Now, the show is now syndicated around the country. Uh, Our listening audience has expanded. And I want to thank, uh, I want to thank uh, all for being on tonight, but especially uh, thank um, those who have been participating with us so very long. Marty Oakley has been the prime focus in making this possible. Tonight, we are fortunate to have, and I'm waiting for one person, is uh, Attorney Tracy Lord McCurdy. Uh, Tracy, are you there? Okay, well, I'm going to call and make sure she gets in in a few minutes. But I want to make sure that Eddie Slaughter, farmer from Georgia, and here she is calling in now, and I'm hoping that uh, she has the call-in number so she can call in. Hold on just a moment. Uh, Ms. McCurdy, the telephone number, call-in number is 917-388-4520. Okay, I expect uh, Attorney McCurdy to join us very soon. Uh, That was her calling calling in, and I think, Marty, she should be calling in pretty soon. Yeah, I'm watching for her. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, ooh, I'm telling you, we're off to a rocky start. Wonderful way to end the year. <laughs> well, you, you know, uh, that's not the worst thing can happen. Uh, True we, enough. We've been, we've been doing these shows so long. She'll be calling in on 
9857, I think. That's one number okay. that I have for her. Okay. Here she is right here. Got her. Okay, great. Uh, Tracy, yeah, I was are you doing there? the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I was, there I was there the whole time. I don't know what was going on, but I'm happy to be here. Good, oh. good, good. So um, uh, I want to check to I want to check to make sure we have uh, Ramses uh, from California. Are you on? I'm on. Okay, great. Okay, well we're going to get the show started. Um, but Marty, uh, you want to start off and say a few words, or you just want me to dive on into the show? Yeah, just go ahead on there, Lawrence. I'd like to say I'm not fit to be talking. I will say okay. we have had a heck of a time even getting on air. We've been attacked on the net, uh, taken down three times in two days. And I've gotten us back up and running again. We're here by the hair of our teeth. So if anything should happen tonight and the show goes down, uh, I pray it does not. But, Lawrence, if I go blank and you can't hear me, just keep talking because you all will stay live. They're coming after me, not you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay. Just, thank you very much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Marty, I want to, again, thank you for allowing us to take uh, uh, take some time on your space to talk about the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the discrimination that we we have been facing with employees and and especially the, the new the subject has been for a long time black farmers, and of course we'll talk about some of the problems that we're still having, but we're fortunate to have uh, Tracy Lord McCurdy and Tracy. I'm sorry to spell your name wrong. Uh, I'm glad to have you on tonight. Tracy, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, great. And uh, we also have uh, Ramses. Uh, artist, illustrator from California. He has uh, produced some very interesting uh, illustrations. Uh, some people call them cartoons. I think they're much more serious than that. And um, he will be explaining and talking about why he has come up, how he got involved with Black Farmer issue, and talk about how and what what created this um this energy to produce these five wonderful uh, pieces of uh, artwork. And uh, Ramses, are you there? I am here. Okay. So, and I, last but not least, we have Eddie Slaughter. Uh, Eddie has been on and off this show for many years now. And Eddie Slaughter is a black farmer from Georgia. He is uh, he has been in the struggle. I've been knowing him uh, or of him for almost 25 or 30 years now. And uh, Eddie from Georgia, are you are you there, Eddie Slaughter? Yes. Okay, great. So we're going to get started, and I would like to start off, um, and we're going to have more or less a conversation like we always have, in lieu of, um, of of picking and choosing. Hopefully everybody will just chime in. I would like to start with um, with Tracy Lloyd McCurdy, attorney and a member of the USDA 
coalition uh, group along with uh, Justice for Black Farmers. She has been in the struggle for black farmers for uh, decades now. And um, I would like uh, for her to uh, introduce herself, and I'll give each person the time to talk about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Tracy, will you start off first? And, and, and Tracy, speak and address to uh, your encounter or your meeting and working with uh, Ramses um, in developing this artwork that I think a political satire, I would call it, that is simply great. I'll let you start off, Tracy. Uh, thank you, Mr. Lucas. As Mr. Lucas uh, has mentioned, I have been on the show uh, several times now over the arc of our advocacy for debt cancellation for black farmers. I really wanted to ground my remarks um, acknowledging the thousands of black farmers that have transitioned uh, to ancestorhood without restorative land justice from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I particularly want to lift up Elder Bernard Bates, who transitioned earlier this year on January 18th, and his parting words to uh, Elder Bernice Ashton was that he was hoping that he would be able to hold on to see justice but he wouldn't be able to. And so he he demanded of us for us to continue to fight USDA and to never stop fighting USDA. I got involved in uh, this issue of debt cancellation back in 2018. Uh, I served on the Black Farmers Council, and we were charged with coming up with recommendations uh, regarding the remaining $8 million in the Pig for Two Cypre Fund. And so from those deliberations, we learned about this unconscionable debt of the Pig for Farmers. And at the time, we thought that the debt of black farmers was $16 billion. Uh, of course, we had no idea. In actuality, we know now that the debt of black farmers is actually less than $210 million. There are only 2,416 black farmers that are eligible for debt cancellation, which is less than 8% of all black farmers. And so what is unconscionable and what we've been fighting for over the last three years is justice for black farmers. And I really look forward to... Uh, really diving into how the Justice for Black Farmers Act has been hijacked and become the Justice for White Farmers Act. And for us to really discuss uh, Secretary of Agriculture Thomas Vilsack's persistent obstructionism and misleadership. Uh, over the last three years, our campaign, the Black Farmers Appeal Cancel Pick for Debt campaign, we've worked with uh, various artists, fiber artists, heritage quilters, musicians, poets. And so my path crossed with Ramesses um, a couple of months ago through another fiber artist, Esther. 
uh, that uh, we have worked with, and we have several of her pieces in our permanent collection, which we use in our advocacy for restorative land justice for black farmers. And uh, Ramesses, of course, is a, a talented and gifted uh, fiber artist, but it was Esther that shared with me that he was also uh, a political cartoonist and engaged in political satire. And so uh, I just feel um, very blessed that he has joined our tribe to assist us in our efforts to dismantle uh, anti-black racism within the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Oh, thank you very much, um, Tracy. Um, I would like to, I'm going to say Mr. Ramsey's for last. Um, Eddie, and, and I hope um, Ramsey's don't mind because you're going to be uh, a focal point during the rest of the show. Uh, Eddie Slaughter, uh, I've been working with you and knowing you so long that uh, I don't have to introduce you, but I'm going to let you introduce yourself and why you are still in this struggle. And and I want you to feed in as we had the discussion about um, the uh, artwork, the political satire illustrations that uh, we shared with you by Ramses. And I would like for you to uh, speak, uh, introduce yourself and, and speak to that. And we're going to uh, take a deep dive into uh, all the uh, reasons why we now have uh, something, maybe not a mule, but we do have some illustrations that will take its place until we find one. Um, Eddie Slaughter from Georgia. Yes, my name is Eddie Slaughter. I'm from Benavista, Georgia. I farm about 200 acres of land here. Uh, I joined the struggle, I guess, I, ever since I started officially buying my own land. We really have been fighting to keep the land, and uh, the whole thing has been a real nightmare, and there's been so many black farmers that has transitioned without receiving justice, and I'm totally convinced now that we will never receive justice out of this government, out of USDA, and out of this country, because when you have a known racist, the Grand Wizard himself, Tom Vilsack, as the Secretary of Agriculture, and he can willfully disobey the Congress. He can willfully disobey all the laws that are handed down and tell him to pay us and to return to us our land. And he refused absolutely. And this guy here has become so powerful that when you see the uh, Dixocrats in the Democratic Party and how strong and how powerful they are, and they have no respect for black folks, certainly not for our congressmen or our senators or any black leaders you might speak of. But they allow him to stay there and do all these abusive things, all the injustice, all the discrimination that he does, and he still is allowed to stay there and to sit there. I think this is a moral disgrace. It's a moral disgrace for all of us to see how powerful he is to do all of these wicked you know, evil and ungodly things against black farmers, and nobody can raise a hand or a finger to say, hey, this is wrong, stop, you can't do this. You know, me, myself, I like to see uh, those 55 black members in the Congressional Black Caucus rise up and ask for his resignation. And if he won't, if he can't pay us to do what's right by us, then he need to leave. 
There's no other way that we're going to ever receive justice as long as he's there. I'm thoroughly convinced of that. Eddie, can you share with us some of um, Attorney McCurdy mentioned, talked about some of those uh, that have transitioned. Uh, Can you name a few of those farmers uh, that have uh, transitioned and the states that they were in who have been in this struggle, who have passed, Oh, yes. Yeah, well, you know, uh, one of the most tragic cases of all was Harry Young, and he was out of Orangeburg, Kentucky, and uh, he transitioned some time ago. And this was a black man that had $750 million worth of coal and oil reserves on almost 300 acres of land, and they wanted his wealth and everything. So what they did, they took it when he paid it off. And they took the money and put it in the escrow account. Then 12 years later, they started foreclosing on it. You know, and uh, the, well, another tragic uh, would be Mr. Vernon Breckeridge of Hennessy, Oklahoma. I went out there and visited with him, and uh, he had to sell off uh, almost, I think, about a 1,000 or 1,500 acres of land so that he could survive. You know, and, I, I, and as I go down the line and think about Bernard Bates of Hill City, Kansas, you know, that's another tragic stuff. You know, Mrs. Maddie Mack out of Blandenburg, uh, Kentucky. There are so many of them all across the country that we have not, we have been denied justice. And the reason why this thing is so permanent that people don't realize this was what the whites in the South saw was a way to stop the civil rights movement, because we was the backbone of the civil rights movement. And because every time they went to jail, we was always able to go to bond and go to bail because we had the land. So when you look at us losing 15 point, 13 point so many acres of land, this is by design. It's to stop you from being able to fight, to stand up, and uh, to hold your own. And so, uh, and and there are so many of them. I mean, they're all over the place, all over Alabama, they're all over uh, Texas, Louisiana, you know, all over Arkansas. I mean, the list doesn't stop. And how in the world can we go into the 21st century? And this kind of injustice is is unfolding before all of our face and for everybody to see, and nothing can be done about it. That's a moral disgrace. What about the, uh, um, Eddie, what about uh, Hildebrandt, the family Hildebrandt, and the family Wise? Can you just give a little overview of each one of them, too, please? Well, uh, George Hildebrandt passed some years ago, and he, like many farmers, was in debt to USDA. So he left his wife and sons and all of them to fight with USDA and where he would have gotten debt relief and he would have cleared his, up his land and his farm for his wife and his uh, children. It has not happened. I understand that they're still fighting with USDA. They're still trying to make payments on some of it. And a lot of times when you have someone that's in debt to USDA to pass on and he's in debt, normally USDA comes in then and say, well, y'all can cut out your 10 or 15 acres of land for your house and your home. And we'll, we'll let y'all pay that, buy that back from you, you know, from us. And we'll take the land and everything and move on. And so this is the reason why 
them returning to us the land. This was, when you think about generational wealth, if you look at the 3,100 black farmers that now, and I imagine maybe or close to maybe half uh, half a million acres of land that's out there that uh, is under USDA. And the thing that is so disturbing is that we won this in court, you know, but I guess 1857 is still alive in America. That was in the United States Supreme Court with uh, Dred Scott. Dred, the, the, the Dred Scott decision. And what the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court made it very clear that we had no rights that white America was bound to respect, that blacks was nothing more than an ordinary article of merchandise, like a hog, a cow, or a chicken. And as far as commerce was concerned, and wherever a trade or profit can be made by our servitude, so be it. But we actually have no rights. And to this day, you wonder why we go to court. And even though we get a win, we can't receive justice because the Supreme Court has said that we have no rights, not in this system. And I know that's a shock to the American system of fairness, but the reality faces us and knocks us right in the face. Okay, what about the wises? Can you just touch on that before you close? Well, you know, that's one reason why I can't understand how Secretary of Agriculture, the Grand Wizard himself, Tom Vilsack, is still there. He's the one that really, you could charge him with the murder of Eddie and Dorothy Wise, as far as I'm concerned. Because even though there was a moratorium in effect and everything, he allowed for the federal marshals to come in there like stormtroopers and military armed to the gill. And they weren't able to take nothing but the clothes they had on their back. They weren't even able to get a toothbrush out of their house. And so when this man is above the law and he can go in and destroy it, and Eddie Wise, I think, spent about 25 or 30 years in the military serving this country and fighting for this country, and this is how they pay him back. And it's the same guy that's the Secretary of Agriculture now that did that. It's the same guy that's there now doing us the way you're doing us now. You know. Thank you very much. But can much. I make a point? Can I, I really I think this is a critical point. When they were deliberating in the Senate, the Justice for Black Farmers Act, Senator Cory Booker lifted up the story of Brother Eddie Wise. He was still alive at the time. And he has since transitioned. So when we talk about what USDA has done to destroy not only the black agricultural land base, but our families. He transitioned, and we've had about five or six black farmers that we know of that have transitioned since the American Rescue Plan Act. I'm sorry, that was the American Rescue Plan Act in 2021. That Booker lifted up uh, Brother Wise. And so we have to understand, again, when we talk about the complicity of USDA and Secretary Thomas Vilsack, when we met with the Biden-Harris transition team in 2020, our demands were very clear. We wanted a foreclosure moratorium. We wanted debt cancellation for our legacy farmers. We wanted direct payments for economic harm, the continuous discrimination that our farmers have in, endured. We wanted relief from federal and state taxes, and we wanted a perpetual allocation in the $30 billion Commodity Credit Corp to help restore the black agricultural land base. 
Secretary Thomas Vilsack, who was advising the Biden-Harris transition team, responded that um, debt cancellation for black farmers was unconstitutional. Dred Scott, it was unconstitutional. He did not see the restoration of the black agricultural land base as something that was desirable, that was righteous, and that was equitable. He said that we also needed to center white farmers. Everybody needed to get debt cancellation. The other issue that he did um, with respect to his advisement to the Biden-Harris transition team was uh, him um, promoting uh, the Equity Commission. And what he wanted to do with that was very clear. He wanted to create this uh, veneer of BIPOC participatory leadership to hide behind that. And so he wouldn't have to do anything while he was the Secretary of Agriculture. So he wouldn't have to do implement any of the things that we were talking about that restore our, our farmers. And so we really need to have a serious critique about Secretary Vilsack, and that's why I really appreciate the satire, the political satire of Ramesses, because he really captured the sentiment and the anger and the rage of black farmers. Oh, thank you very much um, to all of you all. And that leads us uh, into what we're going to do is take a deep dive. I want to welcome to the show for the first time uh, Ramses from California. And he is a young man, and uh, I am using this very lightly. Uh, he's a young man who is his energy has shown in his uh, depiction and his sensitivity to the black struggle in this country. And I want uh, Mr. Ramses to uh, kind of introduce himself because we're going to spend some time asking questions about not only what he's created and how he got there. Just give us a brief introduction, uh, Mr. Ramses, about, um, about why, how you got involved in this whole issue of black farmers. But give us an idea and an overview first of what brought you to this point as an illustrator and um, some people call you a cartoonist. I don't. I think what you're doing and what I've seen of your work is definitely political satire, and, and you've taken a deep dive into that, and we want to talk a little about how and why uh, this, is, this has touched you to a point of coming up with these five um, pieces of uh, illustration talking about USDA and the legacy of racism against black farmers by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Mr. Ramses. Well, thank you for inviting me and allowing me to be on the show with you. Talk a little louder. Okay, a brief overview of me is that I got started doing this in 1976. Uh, what got me started was uh, I grew up in the L.A unified school district and i had no idea who the gentleman by the name of paul wilson was when he died it just shocked me that i had entire, lived my entire life and never knowing who this man was so that's what got me basically started on discovering what black history was all about and being that 
next year next year coming is going to be the 125th anniversary of Paul Wilson's birth. I'm trying to jump back into doing more political cartoons. What got me into doing political cartoons was my friend Esther was the editor of a newspaper on the campus of USC back in the 70s, and she had me do cartoons for her, her newspaper, and I got into it to the point where I loved doing cartoons, and basically political cartoons because it fed more than just a comic strip. It, it, I was able to get into more social issues and things. So that's kind of an overview of what got me started. And when Tracy asked me to do some cartoons, I jumped, I jumped right back into it because I never lost the talent to make cartoons or make illustrations of a political satire. So um, I look forward to doing some more because um, I had no idea what was happening with the black farmers until Tracy opened my eyes to it because we don't get any news and it's not publicized whatsoever on the local news or even on public public radio. So when she opened my eyes to it, I said, yeah, I mean, whatever you need, just let me know. I, I'll jump in here and do it. And uh, listening to what's been said so far, you know, some ideas, especially with this Grand Wizard stuff, because, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, cartoons sometimes really make people stop and look and listen because you can see more about what's happening. And I like to do a cartoon where you don't really have to have any words. Just do the cartoon and let it speak for itself. Okay. You guys have any questions for me? I just thought that the cartoons was really great. They really they 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 told a story that we couldn't have told otherwise. When they said a picture yeah. speak for a thousand words, that is very true with your with your art, with your talent. I think it's very beautiful. I think it's great. Well I tell you if you if you if you if you unleash me I can I can I can come up with some with some wild things but they'll make you definitely stop and think about things. Well, t- tell tell me this. Uh, uh, in looking at the five uh, illustrations that you develop, I would like. Um, do you have names for? I'm looking at the five we have, and do you have names for each? Did you come up with a name for each one of them, or or could you give us a name for each one of those? And I was starting with the one that had. Uh, the plantation with USDA in the background with a, a lady in the lower right-hand corner. Um, you got Vilsap uh, with like like a stick in his hand, and then you have a lady in the right-hand corner with a glass of lemonade. I've been trying to figure out just what what were you thinking when you did uh, this one, and then, and 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 I'd like to know if you have names for any one of these. Okay, I, I don't really have names for them. I just kind of came up with the idea of, you know, uh, how a so-called overseer plantation owner would always have a switch when he was out there in the field, and there was always somebody in the house, and not necessarily always, because you know sometimes we would always say, you know. Uh, house servants were different from, from field servants. But sometimes the house servants were the ones who gave the information to the ones out in the field. What was, what's getting ready to happen? What was going to go down? So 
I don't always want to just focus on just the negativity of what the house service were about, but the field hands, like what Malcolm used to always say, the field hands always prayed for a win when there was a fire to help help burn burn all this stuff down because, you know, they were the ones who were out there suffering. And as far as as far as names for all the cartoons, I mean, I, I used the one cartoon, one illustration that Gordon Parks shot of of the um, uh, the woman who was cleaning, who always came up cleaning behind, you know, the politicians, and she was. Um, I wanted to use her with the flag and flag in the background turned upside down to show the the the, the unrest of what was happening with, with the farmers. And at the same time, there's always seemed to be somebody, a black woman, cleaning up for the white guys. Wow, that that is interesting. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that about the flag, because I see in the flag, and I just noticed that it is upside down. Uh, there was another cartoon in there that uh, oh, 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 illustration that had uh, black farmer. Uh, um, down in the with USDA and with a you have Vilsap with a hose in his hand, and I noticed that there's a lot in that. And can you explain what what kind of inspired you and what you were thinking when you did that one? That's uh, where the one with the hose. And, and when I'm looking deep into this piece, and I was talking with. Uh, Attorney McCurdy about it, uh, she pointed out that there was someone in a window in the background. So could you kind of describe what you were thinking uh, and what you and what you think this really, what did it mean to you in developing uh, this one with uh, USDA and Vilsap with a hose, with his foot on the hose? Well, I wanted to indicate that he was a he was a fireman coming to put the, you know how firemen always come to put the, put the flames out. But he, he basically is coming to put, to put the flames out. But he's stepping on the hose to stop any kind of flow of relief to put out the flames, you know, um, on the on the farmer's land. The woman in the background in the house is looking out and she was going to be yelling like, you know, get off the hose, get off the hose, and everybody's. Look, everybody's noticing that he's standing on the hose, stopping the flow, and smiling at the same time. He's basically basically letting the reader look at it and say that, well, at least I'm out here trying, but you can see he ain't trying hard enough. And the, and the other cartoon was him watering the graveyard, which is USDA's grave, grave site, and he's basically all the former farmers that have died transitioned waiting for the relief that he's basically denying them. And I wanted to do it a little bit different than the water holes, but I let the imagination let you take it from your imagination because I was going to do something else instead of a water hose because what he's really doing. But I didn't know how, you know, if that would be a little bit considered too, too cruel the way I was going to do it. Yeah. Okay. And there was a there was another one that uh, had a mule and a farmer looking at the mule, and I noticed the expression on the mule's face. Um, 
and it has denied in it. And he, and he got this man standing in the middle of this field with a pitchfork in his hand. What were you thinking uh, when you developed that illustration? Forty acres in a mule to begin with, and him holding up all the denied loans that the USDA denied him. And, and you know, they, I was reading about him as after Tracy told me about him, is that, that, you know, he had the gall to say that, you know, they could get these loans if they could learn how to fill out the form. And the thing is, is that part of what they do is that they, they write them in such a way that it's almost like a foreign language. And if you don't understand their language, how can you fill out the form? It's almost like the one I was going to do with him, the forms will be in Chinese and Korean and Russian. It's like, no, who reads that unless you're Russian or Chinese? Okay. Uh, Tracy, uh, you were involved in uh, getting Ramsey's involved in this. Uh, what questions do you have or what were you thinking when uh, you asked him to come up with this? Did, did, you, uh, did you expect? that uh, he was going to come up with some of uh, uh, these outstanding illustrations what was your what was your expectation when you asked him uh, when you asked him and what um, if you have any questions of him but what we what are your thinking after you've seen these tracy i i thought they were brilliant i shared them widely with um the Black Farmers Legacy Network, and I've received so many calls, sugarcane farmers from Louisiana who said that it was spot on, uh, some of the fiber artists uh, who are in deep solidarity with the farmers, they were moved by the illustrations, and um, uh, one of the illustrations, uh, for me, the the last plantation illustration really captured for me where we are uh, in this critical moment because Vilsack has created what I call a buffer of protection uh, by giving some of the community-based nonprofits, black-led, millions of dollars. And as one of the elders said, a close, uh, a full mouth can't talk. A full mouth can't talk. And so that's exactly the predicament that we're in, where if we were unified, we could all make demands of Vilsack for him to immediately extinguish the debt of black farmers. But because some of us are compromised, we aren't, we aren't unified in that way. But I also agree with Ramesses because we do have uh, several spooks who sat by the door that are inside USDA that are advocating for black farmers. But again, the Dixiecrat stronghold on the Democratic Party is something that we have to reckon with. There needs to be a reckoning. The fact that it was black farmer organizing 25 years of suffering, this is the 25th anniversary of Pigford v. Glickman. This is Secretary Vilsack's 
third term as Secretary of Agriculture. He watched Pick for Two, which was $1.25 billion. Those resources could have been used, again, to provide immediate relief uh, to our legacy farmers, and we know that Pick for Two was largely a debacle. And then so here we go again, even after we were able to come up with curative language in the Inflation Reduction Act uh, to sidestep the lawsuit, Bill Sachs still has centered white farmers and refused to uh, embrace any kind of uh, race conscious remediation for USDA uh, uh, anti-black racism. And that's within the, the headquarters in D.C., the local FSA offices, the Office of Civil Rights, and the county committee system. Uh, so that really spoke to me, and I think it's really important, too, the plantation uh, illustration. Uh, it reminded me also of, we often talk about uh, in that um, article that came out in the New Republic, uh, and it talked about uh, Jamie Whitten, Congressman Jamie Whitten, his reign uh, as uh, heading up the Appropriations Committee for Ag and how he used the Commodity Credit Corp to undergird and support white farmers at the exclusion of black farmers. And I just really wanted to lift up the history that it was Fannie Lou Hamer, our beloved light bearer Fannie Lou Hamer, that ran against the Dixiecrat Jamie Whitten in 1964 in the Mississippi Democratic primary. And when I read that, it really affirmed for me the unfinished work of Fannie Lou Hamer and what she was trying to do when she was running for Congress, and that was to take the reins of the Commodity Credit Court. That is our reparation, and we need to be really clear about that. And the fact that Vilsack continues to use the Commodity Credit Court to uh, most recently, he gave $2.8 billion to corporate ag under the roof of Climate Smart Agriculture. He gave Tyson Foods $60 million, Archer Daniels Midland $90 million. And then he said that these were uh, equity initiatives because some of these uh, corporations were going to pay farmers uh, to plant cover crops. Now we know that ADM actually plans on paying black farmers $40 an acre for a cover crop. And it really reveals that Secretary Vilsack is very much wedded to the plantation economy. And he is not committed to any initiative that will create generative wealth for black farmers. Um, in comparison, he just announced the funding um, awards for the second round of the Climate Smart program, and whereas he gave $2.8 billion to corporate ag, he only allocated, he actually reduced the funding for the black, indigenous, people of color, historically underserved round. It was $700 million, and he reduced it to $300 million. And then the CBC had to write him a letter demanding that he allocate $1 billion, and then he only threw in 
another $25 million. This is where we are, and that's what is so powerful about these illustrations from Ramesses. Oh, thank you very much for that uh, kind of historical perspective as to where we are and how we got here. I would like to ask uh, Eddie Slaughter from Georgia. Uh, Eddie, in what specifically uh, do you see in the artistry of uh, Ramses? Uh, how does those images grab you? And there are five. And what was your reaction when you saw them? It was amazing because it was telling a story that we actually lived. And, I mean, it really gripped you and you get it. And the longer you look at it and when you see the lady down there with the iced tea served and you see him with his foot on the water hose and you see all of these things, the 40 acres and the mule, all of it is telling a story of all the stuff that we've actually lived through and, and, and actually dealt with as far as, uh, you know, uh, the Grand Wizard himself being over the last plantation, you know, and this whole thing about the way he have dealt with us over the years, and I cannot understand to me for the life of me uh, that long as we fought civil rights that someone, a, a Dixocrat out of the Democratic Party, could have this much power and this much strength over all of us as a black people, and there's no power nowhere, you know, in the leadership or in the... Uh, the, uh, the politicians or anybody that can say, hey, man, this madness need to stop, this need to quit. So those, uh, th th those cartoons really hit home for me, and I think I got them, and I'm, I'm going to frame a couple of them and just set them aside to remind me about where, look where you come from. You know, they, they really told a story. They really did. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Ramses, um, you heard some of the feedback already uh, from some of the individuals, and, and I can't tell you uh, the kind of feedback I've been getting. But I would like to share with you, and I'll probably be giving away my age here, but do you remember uh, Melvin Van Peebles, uh, the play that he did off-Broadway called Ain't Supposed to Die of Natural Death? Are you familiar with that? Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is going to work out fine. One thing about it, there was a piece. Um, I was in uh, working on my uh, master's degree at the University of the District of Columbia, and um, and uh, Tony Brown Jr. As part of the work, uh, the class was taken to New York, and we saw the off-Broadway show, "Ain't Supposed to Die of Natural Death." And and the one thing good about it, after the show, uh, Tony took us over to um, his uh, apartment, and many of the actors and all, uh, including Melvin Van Peebles, joined the group. But um, it, there's a certain piece in there that struck me that I've been speaking and addressing for about 25, 20, 25 years now. And that portion, and let me know if you remember that, in, in that Broadway show, there was a scene where they were showing rioting, and people were running around, um, 
and rioting, and all of a sudden, uh, on the side left side of, of the of the stage, there was a, a great big pig. Uh, I mean, with a gigantic head, and is slowly walking up the scaffolding to the left, and then the scaffolding took him out over top of the people that were riding. And what struck me, and it relates to what's going on in this country today and what's going on at USDA, this pig all of a sudden threw up all this money, and these people were running around rioting, and and guess what? Melvin Van Peebles picked this up, and guess what happened? All the people that were rioting went into slow motion and began to stop the writing. Um, do you remember that piece, and what is your reaction to that? Uh, uh, does that, does that kind of drive home a nail in your thinking process about something you may want to do in the future that, uh, that relates to uh, black farmers? Well, yeah, you know, I, there are a lot of things I want to continue to work with you guys. It's Talk a little louder. Uh, yeah, the, I said there are a lot of things that I want to continue to do and work and illustrate some, some um, more cart, uh, illustrations because the, the, the play that you're talking about, you know, he ended up making that into a film, which became Sweet Sweetback, if you remember correctly. So he started out with the play, but he made it into that film. But it, it, and it was about how the social conditioning how society has kind of put their foot on the black community and the way that he made the film, I'm trying to remember exactly what it, but from my understanding, it was, it started with that play and it became Sweet Sweetback. Now I could be wrong, but I think that's where it, it, it came from. But there are other ideas that I would love to do. So it's just, it's endless. Well, t- tell me this: Have um, since you have been, and I've sent you some information. I hope you got it. But you've heard uh, some of the farmers, uh, Eddie Slaughter speaking. Is there yes. anything that drives home what uh, a possible a creation of a of a, of a new uh, illustration or a series? Was there anything in what uh, Attorney McCurdy said or anything that Eddie Slaughter has said that kind of drives home a thought for you at, the, at right at this point. Is there anything that has struck you to being something that uh, you would probably develop a series or more illustrations? What is your thinking? Well, definitely when he talked about, you know, Bill Sackett being the Grand Wizard because, I mean, that the history that the Klan has had with black folks in America all these years, you know, it's, it's like a, a deep-seated, you know, uh, pain there. And, and when people see something like that, they tend to react to it. So I definitely would like to do something with, you know, with the Grand Wizard. Um, oh, I would love it. Yes, yes. You know, 
Yeah, because it's uh, uh, oh yeah. So yeah, I definitely picked some things up on all all sides, especially Miss Miss, Miss Tracy. Okay, uh, Tracy, uh, is there anything that uh, uh, when you looked at these, uh, Tracy, what what was your reaction? Can you give me your reaction, Tracy? You know, I had to be reminded um, the the illustration of Ella Watson, who was the muse in Gordon Park's American Gothic that Ramesses based uh, one of the illustrations on. I went down a rabbit hole uh, regarding this historic photo shoot, and apparently at the time, Gordon Parks, back in 1942, he he was a fellow at USDA's Farm Service Administration, and that's how he met Ella Watson. And I uh, was unpacking that, you know, and when we had our conversations and you were talking about the black women that are in leadership positions within USDA that are forced to clean up and to cover and sweep up build that mess or to sweep under the rug the the suffering and the despair of black farmers. You know, like how treasonous is that? Right? The fact that um, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer was on the Morning Joe and saying uh, this was, you know, the runoff, um, the run-up to the runoff in Georgia, the Senate uh, race in Georgia runoff, and he's saying that Senator Warnock had secured four billion uh, for black farmers, and we know again that the debt of black farmers is less than 210 million. There's over 3.1 billion allocated in the Inflation Reduction Act for debt cancellation for economically distressed farmers. And the debt of black farmers still has not been canceled. And so then when we talk about having to clean up the mess of white domination, then you have Senator Booker and Senator Warnock introducing this legislation that would provide or make the payment of the debt cancellation and the discrimination payment non-taxable income. And yet black farmers right now are still the vast majority in debt. And so then again, here are the black senators being forced with a broom to clean up, clean up the mess of Vilsack and white domination again, and then we're supposed to celebrate. And we, we, there's nothing for us to celebrate because black farmers are still suffering. And Vilsack, his misleadership is so wicked that he would take the suffering of black farmers and the grassroots organizing of black farmers over the last three years that have been intensified and then use that to center white farmers. So now they got the vast majority of the debt cancellation. Now they're going to receive um, not uh, if, if this passes, they'll be the first ones to receive the benefit of the debt payments being non-taxable income. 
I mean, how wicked is that? And then the Democratic Party is not saying anything about it, nothing to eradicate this racist uh, policy and posturing of the Secretary of Agriculture. Well, thank you very much, uh, Tracy. I, I think that that summary kind of um, takes us too close. I would like to know, um, Marty, do you have any questions of any of our panelists tonight? Uh, Marty? Um, I think she may, I was hoping that, I know she's not feeling very well. So um, we have about uh, four more minutes and I would like um, to kind of summarize uh, a bit in terms of, of what you've heard and what, what, what this show has, has offered in terms of information. And I'll start with uh, 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 Ramsey's. Um, what is your thinking about these kinds of shows talking about this issue? And you have about a minute, uh, Ramses. Well, you know, I, I think it's very important that this show exists because, like I said earlier, I live on the West Coast, and we have had no information whatsoever what was happening with the farmers across this country. And by it, by you bringing it to light to me, you know, I just love creating these things, you know, for Tracy and the farmers because it's something that needs to be seen. So whatever I can do, just let me know. You know, I will, uh, you know, pull my pens out again and uh, go back to work. Thank you. I love doing illustrations. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, and I want to thank you for coming on. And I'd like to uh, – we're going to be talking to you again soon. Eddie, uh, you, you have a few words before we – we got about two more minutes left on, in time. Uh, you got about a minute. Well, first of all, uh, thank Marty Oakley and let her know we appreciate what she's doing for allowing us to have a platform to allow you know, people in the world to know exactly what's going on with black farmers in this country. Also, Ramses, uh, my hat off to you and the work that you do. Hopefully I'll get, be able to get some of your contact information because I have a couple of them I want you to do for me uh, with a campaign that we're going to start. And uh, certainly uh, uh, the black farmers across the country, they are suffering. They ran us out of business. And for the last three years, every time that we think of our plant season start, and getting ready for plant season for the new year coming in. Every year we get this disappointment, and still we have not been paid, and they have been fighting for the last three years hard to get this done, and nothing has really, you know, produced or anything to change this guy's mind for doing what's right by us and giving us the justice that we want in the courts. Okay, thank you very much. Um, it's Tracy, um, I want to thank all of you all for being on the show, um, especially Ramses, and we look forward to having you on again soon. Uh, Tracy, you're going to get the last word. You've got about a minute left. Again, I am very grateful to be in community with all of you. I have been inspired by all of you and your tenacity, and let's be um, even more committed 
uh, and radicalize in our truth-telling um, and be uncompromising. Because what has happened, uh, Vilsack, Secretary Vilsack, has been very intentional to create this fissure within the black agrarian community by giving out millions of dollars now to the HBCUs and to the community-based organizations. And thus, here we are again, waiting for some type of, actually waiting for this federal government to see our humanity. And I'll never forget, I'm going to end with um, words of wisdom from uh, Mr. Slaughter when he said that um, black folks are the only folks in this country who can uh, have legislation passed and the president sign it and we still cannot get justice. And that's where we are. Thank you very much, uh, Marty. Um, uh, um, uh, we want to close. I, I want to close with a big thank you for everyone on the show and thank Marty. Marty, do you have any uh, added words? Because we're just out of time. Okay. Uh, Marty, are you there? I think, you know, she's not feeling that well and got the best of her. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Um, Marty, I'm waiting for her to come back on. Uh, she may give us a, a, a little more time. And since she has not uh, cut the show off, uh, we do have a few more minutes uh, to spend some time maybe talking. But I want to – I can't say enough uh, saying thank you for uh, all you all coming on tonight. But uh, I want to thank the – USDA Coalition of Minority Employees and the Justice for Black Farmer Group that uh, uh, Tracy McCurdy, as well as uh, Lloyd Wright and uh, Dr. Wayman Henson, have worked so hard. And we want to let you know that we are not going to step aside from our mission to make sure that things change systemically. Uh, at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. But one of the things that have not been done is something to be done with regards to the county committee system. Uh, we haven't had anything from or heard anything from USDA about uh, fixing that process and that group of people out there in rural America that denies black farmers uh, the same programs and services that they give to white farmers uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, th there are thousands upon thousands of cases of black farmers as well as USDA employees whose cases have not been resolved because we have a dysfunctional civil rights process at USDA. And I think the one thing that we have to always remember, that Tom Vilsap is there at USDA but he works for the American people. He works for the President of the United States. Therefore, the people need to speak. Therefore, a reaction from those people, uh, things like being heard on this show, as an example, that the President, Joe Biden, needs to grab a hold of the reins of this 
out-of-control racism and sexism and other abuses at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That's where the accountability lies. We want accountability. We want transparency. And the one thing we want is justice. Thank you very much for all of you coming on the show tonight. And I'll close with a big thank you and a big thank you and good night. Good night. Good night.